This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips. Masters of Dispute Resolution is designed to provide those involved in the mediation process with the views of the most experienced and accomplished mediators and others experienced in the process. Through our discussions, you will gain insight into how to address and overcome difficult issues and achieve more satisfying results in mediation. Your host is Len Levy, mediator and arbitrator with ADR Services, Inc., a leading alternative dispute resolution provider. Lynn litigated complex cases for more than 30 years and has been a mediator since 1998 and is a member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. He has been recognized as a super lawyer in alternative dispute resolution each year since 2014. And now your host, Lynn Levy. Thank you, Daryl. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution. Today, we are going to have a discussion with Judge Joe Hilberman on failing to prepare is preparing to fail, which sounds like an odd topic for mediation, but it really isn't. So uh, let let me first introduce our guest. Judge Joe Hilberman uh, is, uh, is a retired judge from the Los Angeles Superior Court. He was a judge from 2002 to 2009, following a 27-year career in civil litigation uh, as a top litigator. He's, he is currently a, a full-time mediator, arbitrator, and uh, di- discovery referee, and, and uh, with ADR services. He handles a variety of, of cases, personal injury, employment, uh, professional liability, business, Real Estate Homeowners Association and Related Disputes. Uh, Judge Hilberman was recognized by the Los Angeles chapter of Aboda as the Jurist of the Year in 2008 and uh, is consistently recognized by the Los Angeles Daily Journal as one of the 25 best mediators in Southern California. He has written numerous articles that have appeared in various publications and is a frequent lecturer on topics of mediation and litigation. Joe, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm well, then. Thank you. And thanks for having me. If I, if I, if I may call you Joe, I, I, because that actually raises a question that, that uh, uh, I call you Joe all the time, you know. But, but that raises a question, what do people call you in mediation? It's a real informal process. So, do you prefer people to call you Judge Hilberman or or just Joe? It's interesting because I actually, in arbitration, prefer to be called Judge Hilberman because I'm making a decision, a judicial decision. But in mediation, you know, oftentimes we're dealing with uh, individuals who have never been exposed to the legal system before, so I'm fine with them just calling me Joe if it makes them more comfortable. Okay. The, the idea being, of course, that that as mediators, we want the people to feel comfortable, right? Absolutely, and, and the, the attorneys understand how the process works and what the system's for and how it's going to be resolved. But the parties, particularly if they're individuals and not businesses or business entities, uh, this may very well be their first and only exposure to the legal system. Many of them feel somewhat intimidated by the circumstances, so I think uh, part of the mediator's job is to uh, create a relationship with the parties and, and if addressing by first names makes them more comfortable, that's fine with me. 
On the other hand, sometimes people want to call me judge because they respect the system or they feel that, that that's the appropriate way to approach it. And if they're more comfortable with that, that's fine with me as well. Right. Right. Well, one of the things that uh, you mentioned was the, the fact that that people may be uncomfortable getting into mediation. Uh, now, most attorneys are going to prepare their clients for a mediation process, but what, what do you tell the attorneys in terms of how they can best prepare their clients for that process? I think it's, it's really incumbent upon lawyers to explain to their client the purpose of the mediation, which is to explore the facts and the law, kind of in an informal setting, and try and come to a fair and equitable resolution without having to incur the uncertainty and expense of uh, going to trial. I encourage them to have the client fully prepared to address the issues and to have been briefed on what the other side's positions are as well so that we can address those issues as well. So the, the preparation that an attorney makes uh, or, or engages in before the actual mediation session is, is important. What, what types of things do you engage in to help? Well, let's put it this way. You want to say to the attorneys, help me help you, all right? How, exactly what do you tell them in terms of how they can, uh, they can best assist in doing that? Well, you started the conversation with one of my favorite quotes from that great uh, legal mind, John Wooden, uh, who was the uh, basketball coach at UCLA and has the winningest record, I believe, in the history of basketball, uh, seven consecutive national championships, et cetera. And one of his favorite sayings was uh, the one you quoted, which is, failure to prepare is to prepare to fail. Uh, I think the lawyers need to prepare their clients both to feel at ease in the procedure, to understand that it's uh, it's going to be a privileged conversation, it's all confidential when you're talking to the mediator, and they should be uh, open and upfront, and also be willing to consider other positions and be willing to compromise. And, and you have, I understand, pre-mediation conferences with attorneys with, without their clients present. Uh, and do you encourage attorneys calling up mediators and saying, hey, look, we need to talk. I, I'm having some problems with my client here. You know, that's exactly right. Um, I think that one of the things that helps me, and I'm sure when you're acting as a mediator as well, then you as well, if there are particular issues that the attorney has either with the case in general or with his or her client, I think uh, having the mediator assist the lawyer in resolving those issues or addressing those issues is really critical. And if I can get a heads up on that, then I can kind of formulate the presentation that I make to the client. The last thing I want to do is raise an issue that's um, uncomfortable for the client and the client not being prepared to address it or having it raised with him or her and having them offended by that. Uh, oftentimes, I have a situation where the lawyer appreciates something about the case but has a difficult time explaining that or dealing with that with the client because the client doesn't want to hear it. 
So sometimes the attorney's in a position where he or she has to be the advocate for the client and cannot comfortably express the downside risks. And then if they can share that with me, that gives me an opportunity to um, address the issue with the client. And oftentimes I'll preface it by talking about what a great lawyer they have and how well prepared they are and how I understand the arguments and they're excellent, but, and then move into the issues that they really need to be concerned about without the lawyer having the uncomfortable position of raising it on, uh, on his or her behalf. Well, uh, Joe, when we are, uh, we're going to break right now. Uh, You're listening to Masters of Dispute Resolution. Our guest is Judge Joe Hilberman. And we're chatting about preparing for mediation. Uh, And when we get back, we are going to be discussing some of the things that uh, Judge Hilberman has encountered that uh, were avoided by those conversations. Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in resolution, and its founder, Lucy Barron, for supporting this podcast. ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com. I'm chatting with with Judge Joe Hilberman. I'm Len Levy, and we're on Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io. And uh, when we bro- broke, uh, we were talking about the the pre-mediation conferences and problems that attorneys have, uh, have explained in private uh, to Judge Hilberman. Uh, can you give us some examples of uh, Oh, for example, uh, uh, I had one where the parties had exchanged death threats. Uh, that was something that I found useful to know. Uh, anything like that occurred in any of the mediations that uh, that you conducted, Joe? I've never had the, uh, the experience of death threats in any of my cases. Um, <laughs> so you should probably write an article about that, Len. Um, <laughs> I, I do think that there were a couple of things that have occurred to me when we were discussing this previously. Um, one of the things we talked about was preparing the client for the procedures, for the proceedings, I should say. Uh, one of the issues that becomes a, a tripping point sometimes is if a brief is a little over the top, a plaintiff's brief that says my case is worth no less than $20 million, then we get into negotiation and things are still in the hundreds of thousands and the client's upset because he or she thought the case was worth billions of dollars. So I think you have to be candid in preparing your client and uh, expressing the case. But I thought of a couple particular experiences, uh, one dealing with uh, not having the right people present and another dealing with having the wrong people present, which is different. On the right people side of things, you know, particularly on the defense side, it's frustrating if you're negotiating uh, a settlement that involves primarily the payment of money. 
and the person who is the defendant has representatives there either from the company or from the insurance company that's providing the uh, indemnification, and they don't have enough money, even though it's clearly uh, a case that's worth more than their current authority. And so things come grinding to a halt uh, because while the person in the mediation may acknowledge that the case has greater value than he or she has in authority, then we have to stop, and they've got to go off and explain to somebody else perhaps days later uh, what the value of the case may be for settlement purposes and await that person getting back with either the approval or the denial of uh, the settlement funds. On the other side of the coin, having the wrong people there sometimes gets in the way. And I was thinking specifically of a case I had many years ago involving a very tragic death uh, in an automobile accident in which one of the parties was the Los Angeles Police Department. And the decedent was the only child of a single mom who came to the mediation with her sister, the aunt of the decedent. And while the mom was quite receptive and had a terrific lawyer, by the way, the aunt was the uh, impediment, and she kept objecting to virtually everything that was being discussed, and she was quite difficult to deal with. And, and her sister, understandably, was kind of taking her lead. That mediation uh, went on for three sessions, which in my experience is extremely unusual for a single party. So in the first session, we got absolutely nowhere, but everybody agreed it would be worthwhile to continue the discussion. The second session made some progress, but we still had the same interference from the non-party aunt of the decedent. And at the end of that, I said to the plaintiff's attorney, you know, it would really be better if she wasn't here. And so I asked that he talk to his client about whether we could proceed with her not present in a third session, which we did. And the case was resolved amicably at that third session without the interference of, of uh, the relative. And so I've, I've thought about that as, as the problem created when you have a wrong person there, not just a person that doesn't have enough authority or a person that doesn't quite understand the case, but actually interferes with the discussion and uh, the ultimate resolution. So ha having having the, the, the discussion, when you discuss it with attorneys in, in, in before the mediation session, you talk about, all right, who's going to be there? And do we, do we need anyone else? And who needs to be on the other side, right? Right. You need decision makers. You need to have the right people right. present on the other side, as well as the right people in, in your own room. Um, I had a case yesterday, actually, where there were uh, two different law firms on behalf of one of the parties, one of which was far more receptive to the discussion than the other. And I had been told by opposing counsel which one of the two attorneys was more receptive to the possibility of resolution. And I was able to kind of focus my discussions on the person who was most receptive to that. Uh, and mm -hmm. even though I didn't know the dynamic between the two, uh, it gave me an opportunity to get some affirmation from one side that I might not have gotten had only the other attorney been there. So the information I got about to whom I should be speaking was really helpful. I, I, I'm going to switch uh, switch gears here for a second, uh, and what I what I'd like to to talk about is a subject that is that I I run up against all the time, and that is the idea 
of whether or not you advise people to share briefs and share what information to share. Um, we're going to we're going to get to that on the other side of uh, of our um, our break. And um, right now, you are listening to Masters of Dispute Resolution. Uh, our guest is uh, Judge Joe Hilberman, and we are chatting about. Well, we're chatting about preparing for mediation and. Uh, and coming off a quote from one of our mutually favorite people, uh, the the late Coach John Wooden. By the way, uh, Judge Hilberman uh, and and I share another thing. We are we are uh, graduates of UCLA. Although Joe got into UCLA Law School and was president of the law school class, and and uh, I went to another school. So um, and. Uh, but got a good good education. But uh, and Joe also uh, served as uh, uh, on the board of directors of the UCLA Alumni Association. So we'll be back in a moment. Masters of Dispute Resolution is sponsored by the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. NADN is the premier invitation-only association of civil mediators and arbitrators in the United States, with members in every state of the nation. Only experienced ADR professionals who are widely acceptable to local plaintiff and defense firms are invited to join the Academy's roster. The Academy's website, nadn.org, is the most widely visited neutrals database in the world today. With over 40,000 law offices, insurance companies, and corporations visiting our free website annually. Firms can search for neutrals by many criteria, including location, case expertise, qualifications, language skills, and most NADN members also publish their available dates, calendars, online, making NADN.org the go-to website for law firms wishing to schedule appointments online with their preferred mediators. For more information, please visit www.nadn.org. Dot org today. Most attorneys need professional liability coverage, but very few are professional liability experts. And there's so many options when it comes to legal malpractice insurance. How do you know how much coverage you need? What should your policy limits be? What if you've had a past claim? You shouldn't have to take time away from helping your clients to research professional liability coverage. And with lawyer-specific insurance brokerage on your side, you won't have to. They're professional liability experts. Shop California's leading professional liability carriers to find your firm the right coverage at the right price. Lawyer-specific founders Alan Debbie Hernandez have over 50 years combined experience working with the highest rated providers of lawyers' professional liability insurance. So trust the brokerage with access to over 40 carriers in California and find a cost-effective malpractice insurance solution for your firm. Go to lawyerspecific.com and click request a quote. I am chatting with Judge Joe Hilberman about preparation for the mediation session. And this is Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io. I'm Len Levy, I'm your host. And we are now going to be talking about some things that, uh, that people have different views on. And I wanna hear Joe's and that is do, should people share briefs? Should they share information before the the uh, 
the mediation session. I, I often hear, well, I, I don't want to tell them that. But what's your feeling yeah. on that on that I subject? Have, I Joe? have really strong feelings about that, man. So thanks. Um, I think I think parties absolutely should share briefs. Um, I tell parties that if you want the money, you ought to tell them why before you get there. And if you don't want to give it to them, you should probably tell them why before you get there, so that you can address those issues with the mediator uh, and and be prepared to respond. I always tell them that that there may be something that you want to use for impeachment purposes or some gotcha moment that you might have, uh, although infrequent, those do happen. And those things can be put in a separate confidential brief to the mediator. Um, But if there are just fundamental issues of what we're talking about, if it's a tort case, we're talking about the facts of causation and negligence and and damages. Uh, And so lay those out for each side, and so they can come prepared to address them. But if there's something you have, like a Sabrosa video of someone who says they can't walk and you've got pictures of them playing tennis for three hours, you might want to hold that to yourself. And then you may want to choose to use it at the mediation if it's going to be determinative of whether the case settles or not. Those are tough decisions, by the way, that the litigator has to make because he or she knows uh, sometimes it's better to save it for trial if it's not going to help settle the case. But those are calls that can be made in the mediation on things that are confidential. But for those things that may be influential in better understanding the case from one side's perspective to the other, as well as value assessments, I think it's really a very, very important idea to have shared those briefs well in advance, particularly if there are decision makers, multiple decision makers on your side or the other, and the information needs to be uh, shared and discussed and digested and prepared. And, and there are there's also a a controversy between uh, putting things like demands or offers in the briefs. I'm not talking about things that have been shared already. I'm talking about coming out with a brief and and concluding it with and we want twenty seven million dollars for this um, slip and fall uh, with uh, with soft tissue injuries. Uh, have you run into that kind of situation? And, and what do you advise with respect to putting demands in there? You know, we recently lost a great judge uh, when Judge Hiroshi Fujisaki died. And Judge Fujisaki, uh, before whom I appeared many times when I was an attorney, uh, used to talk about being reasonable. You know, one should be reasonable. And um, I like to, to adopt that. I think if you're going to put a, a demand, and I think you should put a demand in, in the brief or uh, an, an offer in the brief on the defense side, because parties need to know what you're thinking. But I think it has to be reasonable. You want to be able to engage the conversation. If you have a case that everybody knows is worth you know, $1,000, and you come in with a demand of $27 million, uh, then that's going to be the proverbial non-starter, and it denigrates your own case, because the other side's going to look at that and say, this is ridiculous. Why should I even respond? The, the importance in this negotiation is to engage the other side in a meaningful discussion of not only the facts and law, but the value. And another thing I would mention is that each side needs to believe that the case can be settled. If you come in with a ridiculous demand or a ridiculous offer, then one side or the other is going to believe, well, there's no chance of resolving this case, and they may approach it in kind of a, a, a kind of a dismissive manner instead of being fully engaged. Um, I had a case recently, Len, that, that we had 
resolve it. In the first session, uh, the demand was in the 20s of millions of dollars, and the offer was 150000 In the second session, the demand was in the tens of thousands, uh, tens of, of millions, rather, and the offer was $1.5 million. And we settled it uh, in, in uh, the high, you know, mid-seven figures, but a, a much more reasonable number, completely different from where either the plaintiff or the defense started in the first discussion. And I'm wondering, you know, might it have been different if uh, the attitude that came to the third session was expressed in the first? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that that uh, that is something that, you know, setting the tone for the negotiation is something that that I found is is important. And uh, I'm I'm just wondering whether you feel that uh, that there are things that people can do to set the tone in a proper way. Yeah, I, I do. I think that, you know, unlike your death threats case, uh, I think if one can call up the other side and say, you know, we're going to mediation in the next week or two, and I just want you to know that my client wants to be engaged. We'd like to get this case resolved. Um, is there anything you need from me to prepare for the mediation? And I think that goes a long way. First of all, you've, you've uh, hopefully already had a personal contact, but you've, you've now created a better contact. And I always like the, what can I do to help you approach to things? Um, you know, what do you need from me that will help you or your client better assess the case? Uh, there's a lawyer in town who's really successful, a terrifically good guy, and he puts absolutely everything in this case, the pleadings, the discovery, the day-in-the-life movie, the recreations, whatever it may be, on an iPad. And he sends the iPad to the opposing counsel in advance of the mediation and says, here's everything I've got, and um, I'm prepared to discuss it with you. Let me know if you need anything else. And I think that's a terrific way to approach these kinds of discussions because if you're not coming in good faith, really wanting to resolve the case, then you should save your clients time and money and don't come. Right. Right. And, and you know something, the, the, the lack of information is something that I've seen so many times just totally derail uh, a mediation. I, I, I wrapped up one yesterday that actually uh, that was the third session and we started in 2019. And uh, the the lack of information, I think, was what contributed to it going on uh, as as long as it did. Well, you know, Len, you raise an interesting point because um, I'm sure you do something similar. But when a case does not resolve, I try to let the parties leave with a sense of what they should do next. You know, whose deposition do you need to take? Which documents do you need to refer to and, and share with your experts? And then let's come back after you've answered those questions, and let's see if we can get it done. Well, you know, one of the things, uh, when we were on a break, uh, uh, my producer, Mark Allen, uh, asked a a question about uh, whether being a judge uh, helps. Um, One of the things that uh, that I think is important for, for mediators is establishing credibility from the very, very beginning. Um, just because you were a judge, uh, does that give you instant credibility? Or do you feel you, you still need to, to establish credibility with the parties? Well, I think it's interesting because certainly uh, having a title 
um, the Honorable, uh, helps a lot because I would say it's the gray hair, but it, it may well be the title. Um, I think there is a certain modicum of expected credibility that's different if you're somebody who's equally well qualified like you, Lynn, who didn't have the opportunity to be on the bench but have had a, a wealth of experience in mediation. Um, just because, you know, in the early days of mediation, everybody was a retired judge. And I'm talking about 30 years ago. Um, and the problem was that they were all they were all used to telling people what to do. And so when I'm in mediation, uh, people sometimes ask, well, what's the difference between being a judge and being a mediator? And I tell them, you know, I sit as an arbitrator as well, which is pretty much being a judge in a, in a uh, rather relaxed environment of a non-jury trial. But in, a, in an arbitration or a trial, the judge's job is to tell somebody what to do. You know, you make a decision and you tell them what to do. And I tell them in mediation, my job is to try and help solve a problem. And I think that the people uh, have those skills or they don't. And a lot of the, the early mediators who were very qualified judges didn't get it. They were just used to telling people what to do. I think the environment has changed a lot, and I think most of the mediators today appreciate the fact that it's really a, a, a situation where there has to be a relationship developed among the parties so that people are respectful of the process, respectful of the uh, mediator, respectful of the other side's position, and truly want to get the case done. Joe, th thank you so much. I, I, I will tell you that that what you have done today is just enhance your uh, your credibility with everyone who's listening. I, I, I will tell you, you've, you've given some great tips and uh, you have, uh, as usual, when I listen to you, I always get an education. So um, be, as we wrap up, just uh, how can people best get in contact with you? Well, thanks. Um, as you mentioned at the outset, I've been a full-time neutral. <laughs> when I started with ADR Services, I asked Lucy Barron, who owns the company, many of you know, um, what I call myself. And she said, well, you're a neutral. And I said, you mean as opposed to when I was a judge? But um, I'm a full-time neutral with ADR Services, uh, primarily in the Century City office and uh, also statewide. I've had the privilege of mediating cases throughout the state and in other states as well, which is always an interesting experience to see the difference in the uh, nature of the approach of the attorneys in different parts of the country. Well, th thank you so much, Joe. Uh, I appreciate the conversation, uh, as always, and and I hope you'll consider coming back as a guest. And thanks again. Thank you, Daryl Wayne, engineer, Mark Allen, producer. I'm Len Levy, and this is Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io, powered by Infogen Labs, Inc. Stay well, keep listening, and remember, peace of mind is enhanced when conflicts are resolved. If you wish to contact Len Levy, you can reach him through his email at lslevy at adrservices.com, through Len's website, lenlevymediate.com, telephone him at 818-903-5562, or contact his case manager at ADR Services, 213-683-1600.